and welcome to this week's BWB Extra, where we continue our conversation with Michael B. Hancock, the Mayor of Denver, USA. We talk about how Michael got into politics and worked his way up to becoming mayor and ask what's next for him once he finishes serving his last term in office. All of this alongside our staple BWB questions, where we dig a little deeper and get to know more about the man in the strong mayor's suit. How did you end up doing this then? You wanted to be in the police, and then what happened? Well, like I said, you just start seeing. You can't be something you don't see, right? So I saw a mayor, and I saw his ability to to impact the city, and I said, I want to do that someday. But there isn't, like, mayor school. No, no, no. You just, you know, there's no mayor school. No, that's funny. No, you just kind of prepare yourself by doing, you know, get engaging in leadership opportunities and and learning as much as you can about your city and, you know, leadership skills as much, you know, honing your leadership skills. Do you need to be political? Do you need to join a political party? I don't think so. I don't, I think it doesn't hurt to build those relationships and those bridges, but I'm a Democrat, but I'm not an active Democrat in the sense that I'm not uh, active in the party. I don't yeah. necessarily show up at conventions and caucuses and things of that nature, but uh, but you know I, the values of the party I I, I support. When you just went into politics, was there someone you really aspired to, or someone you sort of like who put you under their wing or anything or helped you? Oh, absolutely. There are a lot of people in politics who I, I linked to, and and kind of you know there was a councilman named Hiawatha Davis. There was another councilman named Bill Roberts. Uh, I got close to and learned a lot from them. The mayor that I talked about, I, he allowed me to intern in his office for three summers when I would come home and learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from Wellington. Where, so you take something from everybody and each of them took time. They could breathe a little something into me. So that helped help with my transition into his office. And do you have to do, you have to do sort of more junior jobs in local government and move up the ladder? It helps. Uh, I would, like I said, I was on city council, but that was there was no better dream place than to be on city council because you let, you're in there and you're working on the nuts and bolts, the micro issues of the city every day, right? You're trying to deliver things to your neighborhood that you represent. So our area of town that you represent. How does it feel? Does it feel like, because it must be one of those jobs, all jobs are like this, but even more so, you know, two steps forward, one step back. Does it feel like the best you can achieve is 51% Better than, you know, I mean, you know what I'm trying to ask? It's like everything's against you when you're trying to change something or do something, you know? Yeah, I think you got to take your eye off the, the polling and lead. And I think that's what saved me is when it comes time to, to lead, it's not about what's popular, it's about what's right. And that's what people sent me to City Hall to do is to do what's right as best you can out. Have we made mistakes yet? Yeah. Have I made mistakes? Absolutely. Um, but at the end of the day, where the trust comes from the people and the willingness to forgive you is they don't believe you're going to always try to do the right thing. Well, it annoys me. We we debate this. One of my problems, I think, is with politics is that we expect them to be superhuman. It's like yep, they're going to they're going to mess things up. And it's like, oh no, they should be above. You know, here everyone's got this attitude. Oh well, they should be better than us. They should. They're us. I they're mean, no different than the United States. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no different. Uh, and we, we we cannot forget they're human beings. in, in terms of our narrative toward them in terms of social media. Why well, I don't yeah. read it. I think people forget these are human beings reading this stuff. Their children are reading it. Their spouses are reading it. Yeah. Um, and, and we forget those things. But we got to also remember they're human beings and mistakes are going to be made and ultimately judge them by how they, one, admit to them and two, pick themselves up and say, it's never going to happen again. And You know, on. your other point is a good one that, and I think we see it a lot over here, particularly at the moment, is this whole doing whatever we get the impression that most people, you know, is popular. 
and chasing those poll leads and yes. chasing that kind of you know acclamation from from people rather than what you know to be right. Yeah, I always say that Achilles' heel to get leadership in politics is the next election. Yeah, it is. You know, the idiocracy of someone doing a 10 paragraph, even 10 paragraphs, even that's a lot article and everyone's sort of, you know, trying to have an opinion over that. It's like, I just hope they get really clever people and put them in the room with the information. Yeah. And and then when they come out, if they say we should do something else, they're all kind of like, oh, okay. I mean, you've yeah, had time to yeah. think about it, Absolutely. you know. But it, we, we do seem to be quite far away from that. But you're, you're in the great position now where you, you know, if you can't be elected again, you right. can do whatever the hell you like. Yeah, I tell you, it's months. liberating being in your final term um, because, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we need to do this. Let's roll. Yeah. And, um, but it's also a good exercise of what you also believe in, and that is trying to do the right thing at all times. You know, again, mistakes will be made. That's, I promise you, mistakes will be made. Yeah. You serve long enough, you're going to make a mistake. Have you thought about what's next? I, I spend, yeah, I'm a little more time thinking about it now than, <laughs> than I ever have. But yeah, I'm giving some thought to it. I'm going to step away from it because, like I said, I think politics are transforming. I want to step back and see it. I got it because it's hard when you're in it. You feel it. I feel it. But I, you know, I, I got to step back and really see for what's going on. Well, it feels with politics, you've got to go in with tremendous passion about like, I have some ideas, I have some things I want, because you're going to just enter this really confusing place where everyone's kind of going around and, you know, it's like, I don't even know what I think anymore. Right. You know? And so you'll get worn out, you know, I, yeah, maybe three terms is the period. I yeah. don't know in terms of, and so you can come out now and then see, okay, you know, what, what, what did I want to do and stuff? Yeah. You know, do you have a long-term ambition still? It was no, to be I mean, the mayor? Not necessarily, no, not necessarily in politics. Tick. I mean, obviously I may want to uh, get back into politics, but after being the mayor of the capital city, the CEO, you you know, there's not many places you go that give you that same kind of, ex, you know, energy. Um, yeah, and yeah. so it'd probably be national politics, if anything. Uh, but at, the, at this time, what I'm interested in is just stepping away from it, observing, watching, helping others where I can. Do you think your kids will go into politics? No, I all? can promise you no. Uh, I promise you, <laughs> you no. You've made them promise. Yeah, no, I didn't have to. They look at me like, oh, heck no. No. What's your passion outside of politics? I love sports. Yeah, as I tell people, it's God, family, and sports. That's how I live. I love sports. I love sports. And my family. My mother, like I said, is 83. You know, I still have seven siblings alive. And I got 41 nieces and nephews out there. Holy you know, Do you remember all their names? I don't know. None of their names. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Do you even know who's child is? I, I walk. No, well, well we, I, I tell you the truth. I, as mayor, I walk into a classroom to speak to these uh, elementary kids, and one young lady, young man, came up to me. He says, "Hey, uh, Darius tells me you're his uncle," and I said, "Who? Who's Darius?" <laughs> I broke my heart. And he turned and he pointed to Darius. And you can just see Darius just kind of like, oh. And of course, I knew Darius by sight, but not by name. Yeah. Darius? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Darius, come up here. I had to just, Mia Copa, oh, Darius, all oh, visit in the classroom because I felt so bad for him. Well, I mean, no, I, I, I get that as a family member of this firm that I, you know, <laughs> know everybody's name all the time. Right. And I'm not great at it. What do you think is the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Wow, when you're going through hell, keep your head up and keep moving. Oh, Churchill, if you're going through yeah. hell, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, I really like that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to work out if you just keep going. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. 
Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit, it's more than just survived From complying with the FCA and all things financy They can also speak fluently in the language of legalese Clark was born and raised right here in the UK And now for 20 years they've been helping others get set up and on their way Ori Clark's door's always open and happy to provide Straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935 Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. Have you got any recommendations for us of things we should read or watch or podcasts? Or You know, I just said, I'm trying to remember his name. It's just going to kill me. But the the name of the book is Halftime, which is... um, a book that was given to me by a good friend who knew that I was coming to the halftime of my life. And it was, it was, it's a phenomenal book. Uh, uh, Bob. Bob Buford. 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 I say, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's Bob Buford. I always say Wilford Buford. Buford. Um, Read the book and it's about an individual. I mean, it's Bob Buford who, who was phenomenally successful in his life running television stations, cable stations. At the age of 50, just looked around and said, okay, now how do I, I'm done with this. I've been wildly successful. I've made more money than I can imagine. I haven't been where Bob Buford is in terms of money. But, you know, you reach a pinnacle of success, right? You get, you're blessed in that I've been able to do the things I want to do. But how do I move from success to significance? And he uses the, the um, example of at halftime for any sport, basketball, football, you, you go in at halftime, you make adjustments, and you come out and say, I got a new half. And that's the way we ought to treat our lives at some point. I've been successful. I'm ready to be more significant, meaning I want to get back to the community a little more. And how do I position myself to do that with passion and vigor the same way I chase success? And that book has been profound to me. It was very profound to me to read it and think about my next steps. Dizzy also talk about the fact that people are apparently much happier in the second half of their life. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting you say that because I do. I think particularly if you manage it correctly, if you manage where you are, what you're doing, the investments you're making, and I'm not talking just about money, but I'm talking about your time, your most precious resource, right? That you're giving to your family, that you're giving to your quality of life, that you're giving to your community. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we can all talk about our own legacies, right? But it, at the end of the day, it's the difference you made in the life of your community to someone other than yourself, right? And that's really my prayer every day is, Lord, let me, let me be helpful to someone else. Let me be a blessing to someone else. And it doesn't matter what it might be. It doesn't always have to be about money. It can just be the fact you spoke to someone who no one else ever talks to. Yeah, yeah, that could mean a lot. Yeah, yeah. The, but there's also this fascinating theory, which, well, it's it's apparently very true. Is if you ask people how happy they are when they're 16 or 25, right. or they're like, oh, I'm really stressed out, and I don't know what I'm doing. But in the second half of your life, you ask people, their happiness index is like. Crazy because people are more settled. They've had right. kids. Uh, your brain deals with stress better. Yeah. You know, it's a sort of like, actually, this is that. This is a wonderful piece of your life. You right. Know, you get to be in, you're not an old man. An old right, man. Right, 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 right. Yeah, well, I'm 53 now and I'm at that halftime and hopefully it's halftime. Yeah. Uh, you know, get a chance to reassess what we're doing and where we're going to go. What advice would you give to your younger self? Uh, slow down. Breathe. Yeah, okay. Breathe. 
Yeah. Well, and were you were you just tearing about when you were, you obviously yeah. ended up in the right places? Yeah. Just and you just you're chasing you're chasing success you're chasing opportunity and the reality is that it's all about preparation. You know, if you prepare yourself, things are going to work out. And um, but you got to breathe. Just enjoy life a little bit more. It's hard to adjust that piece of us when we're young, though. Isn't yeah, it? We don't it really is. appreciate that that, yeah. that concept, especially yeah. when you come from challenged backgrounds. I think. I think either where you have someone in your family or a family where someone is overachieved, or where you really have had to fight just to keep you know a roof over your head. You tend to be a little more. Uh, well, well, you've given your kids the opposite problem, which is always tricky. That it's sort of like, oh, your dad's the mayor. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's yeah, tricky yeah. that I see know? that in them as well. I, I mean, they get a little stressed when thing. There's a hiccup here or there, and what they don't realize is that one, your preparation matters, and two, half the stuff, more than half the stuff you worry about, never happens. Yeah, it's bullshit. So if you prepared yourself, you're going to be okay. Just breathe. Yeah, yeah, Anytime, yeah. And I'm oftentimes saying to them, breathe. Do you think it's something as well to do with being the youngest? Because I think, you know, when you're the youngest of a lot of children, if you've got any sort of element of competition about your personality, you're always just going to try and do better. The whole oh, time. yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I tell my family I'm wisest of all of this. Because I learned from all your dumbasses <laughs> and the mistakes no, that you made. It's true. Uh, I did. I'm telling you, I did. I learned. Well, you you would understand you people. I mean, the first thing yeah. is if you come from a bigger family, is you understand people really absolutely. Well, you know. Oh, absolutely. You understand people. You can study. I'm a. I like watch. I'm systems. I'm a systems oriented guy. So I know. You know, A leads to B, B leads to C. I'm watching how the system formulates and moves, and that comes from watching my family. It's a system. You know, and. I tell people everything you need to know in life, you learn as the youngest child. Uh, you learn that you got to build alliances. Yes. Uh, you know, you yeah, learn yeah, that, yeah. right? You learn you've got to you know, be strategic, <laughs> right? You got to avoid conflict. Yeah, it's, it's, you figure it all out. You do, you, you have a really beneficial position as a, as you a, really as do. a younger sibling. You do. You also, your immune system's stronger because you're exposed to more stuff. There's <laughs> a whole bunch that. of stuff that's weird about yeah. it. But you do tend to suffer more from things like ADHD and stuff because mum had less time for you. And, and that, that, that um, stuff like that is very influenced by sort of, you know, how much time. I mean, I don't really remember seeing my mum. And I mean, the other amusing thing is, is I'm really, no, she'll be very upset. She's she going to be really upset. Like my dad, this. I never saw, but he was working all the time on this thing. Anyway, yeah. and then, you know, I break stuff really easily. And, you know, I've had girlfriends who cannot work out how, like, and yet if you're with my mum and I smash stuff, of course, by the time you've got 10 or four kids, they just don't want any screaming. So yeah. she cleans it up. Like, she's like, no problem, no, no, no. It's gone, you know? And like my, and a girlfriend years back was just like, that's are you, why. Are you saying you're spoiled? Yeah, well, we are. Spoil to me means not appreciating what you're given and what you have. You know, I I, I rinse the shit out of what I've got. You know what I mean? It's It's like expectations. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. I expect you to love me. (laughs) That's true. That's probably true. We're 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 quite surprised when people don't like us. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Me, the cute one. A slightly more controversial question, though, but I wouldn't mind your opinion. What do you think about the UK what mess we're in right now? Like, does the US care about a trade deal? Do they even notice what we're going on? Oh, with absolutely. Us? Do they? Every, yeah, it matters. You know, a lot of Americans were up watching, uh, you know, the uh, memorial for the, the queen, mm-hmm. um, you know, pained by the memorial, the, by the death of the queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Americans were watching intently what's happening with the prime minister. 
uh, position all here? Of, all of them. All of them. Yeah, every one the of them. Revolving you know, door the last that two is months. Up front. <laughs> you can, you can we're see. Watching, yeah. You could see that, and you mentioned it well that all countries are struggling with this, but we're sort of ideologically just a bit lost here. You know, particularly after Brexit, trying to work out who we are. I mean, the great thing that you have as as a mayor of a city, and in, even the way the federal and the state system works, is in America it does feel like you can have more identity in it you know in the uk we feel like we need one identity and mm. I, I i i almost want Common to identity, yeah. I, yeah i wonder if we end up federal it's going to be like london england scotland wales because the countries you know well there is a suggestion a sort of ongoing suggestion that london just secedes from the from the uk oh. and becomes its own own country yeah I mean, but are there any uh, pieces of advice you would no, offer? No, 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 there's no advice because you got to know we also have been through our share, right? I mean, yeah. we just went through four years of uh, that we would pretty much care to forget um, that were painful. Yeah. Um, you know, it, if it wasn't so painful, it'd be laughable to some extent. Um, and, and we had to go get, you know, to elect a, a vice president to come, the former vice president to come and restore this nation, reunify the nation. Yeah. But we are finding that we were, uh, it's going to take more than four years. It's going to take more than one person mm-hmm. or a new party to come in and, and restore America's luster. You know, we, we have a Camelot view of the presidency. Yeah. And I'll tell you that if anything has changed, I, I can promise you that has changed um, and has to be restored. The influence, the affluence, the luster that we feel, the elegance that we feel in terms of the presidency, the executive office of presidency has been damaged, severely damaged uh, by the previous president. Mm-hmm. And so beyond Biden and, and Kamala Harris, we're going to have to continue to look for those individuals who are we can elect, who can restore. At the same time, we've got to deal with a very divided nation like you do. Our nation is as divided as it's ever been. It's a, a probably since the civil rights era. Absolutely divided right now. What do you think is going to happen in the midterms? It's hard to predict. Um, I got a guy sitting to my right now who's probably a little more uh, able to articulate, um, you know, his thoughts on that. But uh, it's it's hard to predict what's going to happen. That's one of the unknowns, to be honest with you. I mean, we see polling after polling, but we saw Trump was not supposed to win. No, and polling is polling just seems to get it wrong yeah, a lot he, now. He's been getting it wrong, right? Because people aren't telling me. Because they're the polling the, the wrong people. Yeah. It's the strength of feeling amongst people, which is so difficult Fury. to bring to Fury. You know, it's like truth that, you know, we, we need that Nelson Mandela coming in with truth and reconciliation in South Africa. It's like we need that level of like, look, we all need to come back to the table now and right. calm down a little bit. And by the way, we're all going to have to compromise. Like, and we, where none does of anger us, come from? Yeah, where did it come I from? Mean, People are crazy. Just angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, we were running the city. We have nine one one call takers, and they're reporting that people are calling and, and they're angry. And I mean, and then you were seeing it played out on television, and of course, r- rise in violence in our communities. Uh, what happened to Nancy Pelosi's husband? Well, they Paul feel Pelosi. things are unfair. They feel that you know they're being sort of we're being baited into anger. I mean, that that's almost seems to be what we're but getting down to. But you look at to. things; it's really confusing because you look at things like you know the whole Alex Jones things and thing yeah. and Sandy Hook, and you think, why on earth would anybody ever bother to make that an issue? To right. make that terrible thing absolutely that happened? right money that that kind of provocative narrative creates a great... He became a very wealthy man behind that. Yeah, not anymore. Rush Limbaugh became a very wealthy man. Trump saw his wealth go up. That stuff has created wealth for them. At the same time, they have begun to, I think, irreparably harm 
the psyche and the unification of our nation. And it's unfortunate. It is absolutely unfortunate. And of course, you see it played out in things like January 6th, the attack on the Capitol, the attack on Paul Pelosi in his home. Those are the kind of things that, you know, America is seeing occur. And I don't know if it's occurring here in London. It is. Um, the anger is Yeah, the, it's angry. And, and it's so the question becomes who, and again, it's, I don't think it's one person, or what movement begins to change all that. So that was this week's episode of BWB Extra. And we'll be back with a new episode next week. Until then, it's goodbye. Goodbye.